0: Welcome to this podcast from the National Home Improvement Council, connecting industry, government and householders on the pathway to energy efficient homes. I'm your host, Anna Scothan, Chief Executive of the National Home Improvement Council. And in this episode, I'm pleased to welcome Mark Woods from Crown Commercial Services. But before we dive in, I'd like to know, have you ever wondered what do I do first when it comes to upgrading or improving my home? I know I have, regular listeners of the podcast will know that I've got a, my home is over 300 years old and I definitely often wonder, what do I do first and what do I do in what order to achieve the best results, particularly when it comes to energy efficiency? Well, if you think of this simple rhyme, you won't go too far wrong. And the rhyme is insulate tight and ventilate right. And then move on to consider suitable low or net zero carbon heating solutions for your property type. The solutions that I will use in my 300 year old um, stonewall cottage are quite different to what would be used in a modern flat, for instance. So it's important to know about your building. And that's why three NHIC members, Recticel, Envirovent and Corgi, have chosen 2023 to sponsor this podcast series and other activities throughout the year to demonstrate their climate leadership and to drive forward change. Information on the products they manufacture in the UK and their services, which will save you energy and reduce the emissions from your home, can be found in this episode's show notes. And so, let's get on with today's episode as i said i'm pleased to welcome mark woods from the crown commercial service who has exciting news about a dynamic purchasing system that allows micro smes and local tradespeople to access government funded <sighs> home improvement works for local authorities housing associations and other publicly owned housing providers welcome mark
1: hi anna yeah thank you so much for having me today really glad to be here
0: Thank you so much for joining me um so that was quite a long intro a dynamic purchasing system that you're launching today this month how is it different to the previous version
1: yeah thanks anna so yeah we're launching our new housing maintenance and repair GPS or dynamic purchasing system but before i get into that though for those of you listeners who may be new or not quite familiar with public sector procurement uh, and what the crown commercial service do We put in place commercial agreements called frameworks and, as we're talking about today, dynamic purchasing systems. They help public and third sector buyers to procure what we call common goods and services from a list of pre-approved suppliers who signed up to the agreement with agreed terms and conditions and legal protections for everyone involved. Buyers then call off or order from that agreement by inviting those pre-approved suppliers to tender for the relevant services they require. And our previous iteration of the housing maintenance and repair service offering was a framework. We had a great deal of success with the MOD from this, who procured around £800 million worth of housing maintenance and management contracts. Um, So it was really successful, um, but we had no business from the wider public sector. So over the last 18 months, we've engaged extensively with the market to gather their feedback and identified that multiple areas could be improved on to make this more attractive to the wider public sector. So firstly, to get onto a framework, suppliers needed to sign up for the agreement right at the start. And so no new suppliers can join once the framework is live. And frameworks are great. They have the place uh, and absolutely amazing that the suppliers are perfectly capable of delivering the services. But still in our space for local authorities and housing associations, it meant that they, they can't consider Section 20 legal constraints, whereby tenants can nominate a supplier they want to include in the competition for works because new suppliers can't onboard to the agreement once it's live. Uh, secondly, the way the framework was set up, it's very much tailored towards those large bundled contracts, which some buyers still want. Still, for those wanting individual services, such as window replacements or kitchen refurbs, for example, uh, it just wasn't suitable. The four large national suppliers we have on the agreement are great, but they're perfectly capable of delivering the services. Due to the size and type of some of the smaller opportunities in the RMI space, sometimes they just didn't work in terms of practicality or location etc. Uh, our pricing was also very much in line with the facilities management model and not what typical buyers in the housing RMI sector use. So to address these issues, we have, as I said, taken the last 18 months or so to speak to buyers and suppliers of all shapes and sizes across the UK including trade bodies and the likes of yourself, Anna, and the NHIC and your members to see exactly what was needed in this space to make this agreement attractive for everyone.
0: Yeah. And just before you come on to what it what it sort of turns into, I think it's really helpful to kind of circle back on what you said and that these frameworks exist generally it's to streamline the process so once people have been approved once organizations have been approved then they're on an approved list and 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 companies know that work's going to get done properly they've they've got all the right um, policies in place and the right competency frameworks in place etc etc so that's really good but that works really well if you're you know doing large projects but as you've said for RMI in particular repair maintenance and home improvement small maintenance jobs often shouldn't need to take a long time can be not so good for the tenant because they take a long time within the framework because it's a large organization and it can often mean as well that you'd end up going through different levels of subcontractors to get the work done potentially Um, and oftentimes a small job might be done then by a national organization rather than a local tradesperson being able to just come in and fix that window or do the boiler upgrade or whatever the small maintenance job is 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 that right
1: yeah exactly how Um, how does
0: the framework sort of work in in reality I guess
1: so you mean how a framework works or how this new DPS would work
0: so I I guess a little bit how it was in the in previously and you identified all the problem the the issues not problems because it's about where can you find improvements and that's what you've created but where were those initial things you thought this could be better
1: yeah exactly so with with the framework the likelihood is you would have to put together some kind of bundle contract which as i said first of all isn't really how rmi buys. so for your instance your, your individual service lines it'd be it's a bit difficult through the way the framework was set up to purchase them and as you were mentioning there the likelihood is you would have to contract with one of the larger suppliers that, through various subcontracting opportunities, would only then reach out to the local and regional expertise, which doesn't represent an efficient way to procure things. It could mean that their own in-house teams are doing this, completely bypassing that local and regional um, businesses that you know our customers have indicated that they absolutely want to get access to that. So it just wasn't a very streamlined or efficient process to yeah. actually get. To get the bid and ultimately get the tenants the service that they're looking for.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, government, and yet you're coming onto it, but government have, you know, they've talked about levelling up and that it's an ethical responsibility of governments to support local communities. Um, and you'd got local tradespeople that weren't able to support local housing associations to do this work because they weren't on the framework initially or they didn't have. You know, they don't have the large sort of departments that can fill in the right sort of forms and all that sort of stuff. So you guys have streamlined all of this process. And tell us all about that. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all of this this work that we've done, the engagement, all that, it's resulted in us creating this, this housing maintenance and repair dynamic purchasing system. Um, which allows suppliers to join the DPS at any time during a lifetime. So it means, number one, they don't have to sign up right at the, the beginning of it. They can sign up any time throughout its lifetime. And it means that local authorities and housing associations can onboard any companies identified as part of those Section 20 consultations, get them going through the application and onboarding process, and they can actually then be included in the um In the procurements going forward, which number one was the main barrier to overcome from the previous iteration. Yeah. Um, We also we've completely rebuilt the specification at a granular service level, but we have kept the descriptions of each service purposely top level to allow maximum flexibility by the buyer when releasing their tender. So that means that your bundle contracts can still be procured, but it allows them to take advantage of getting those individual service lines fulfilled, such as fitting new kitchens and things like that. Um, Buyers can procure essentially a full range of planned and reactive maintenance and repair services for tenanted and void properties, which covers everything from... Electrical work, plumbing work, right the way through to I don't know pest control, little things like that. If it can go wrong in a house or it needs maintaining, a house or a flat, I should say, any kind of residential property.
0: Yeah,
1: this agreement can maintain it. Fantastic. Um, suppliers. Well, we're hoping that buyers will also want to procure compliance services through it, such as asbestos management and fire safety, which, obviously, given all the uh, events of recent years, is absolutely critical. Mm. Uh, and they can procure whole home retrofit services as well, uh, which we built into this iteration. Which I think during the current cost of living crisis and obviously wider carbon net zero goals, it's more important than ever for it. And also, as a, a, another added bonus of the agreement, we've added in housing portfolio management services as well. So it's a real one stop shop for anything to do with housing maintenance and
0: repair. Fantastic it, it, it's brilliant and and I love the fact that local tradespeople can access it that it's not just um you know big large national maybe multinational organizations that are able to clip into this so it's really important certainly for our members members who I, I know we're going to come on to this later and talk about this later but you're going to be sort of um Providing content for their newsletters and things like that. But certainly for least for listeners, you know, if, if you know tradespeople, um, and you've got tradespeople on your database in your within your own membership, um, you know, we've got to be starting to flag this up to them so that because they can now access this is great work for them to be accessing government-funded work.
1: Absolutely. Um, we are trying to reach all aspects of the housing RMI market. We want mm. to be able to give this access to. You know, the likes of John the Plumber that you you may know has a small business, worked in the community for 30 odd years, can really support. And we want to make sure that he can gain access just as much as the huge multinationals or national companies that we've seen across all of our agreements as well. So it's not excluding anybody. It's just making it easier for those smaller companies to gain access to this.
0: Fantastic. And so what about the pricing bit with what's the pricing sort of structure on this?
1: Yep. so with it being a DPS, there's no pricing set at the onboarding stage. Um, it means customers can build their own pricing structure, a tender, and they're allowed to allude to things like NAPFED rates. Uh, so the flexibility is there to be tailored to each individual service and specialism because the agreement is a one-stop shop for everything. So setting pricing or pricing structure at DPS level, it's number one, it's a DPS, so you don't set that. But it would be very difficult to actually put all that in one place. And given the way the market is right now, it's very hard for suppliers to actually forecast what their costs are going to be going forward 12,
0: 24, yeah, Six I mean, months in advance. Prices are just going, you know, daily changing, aren't they, for, for materials? That's a real challenge at the minute.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and on the one hand, we don't want to expose our customers to unnecessary risk. And on the other hand, we don't want to um, expose suppliers to unnecessary risk as well, because we as, as, there's so much uncertainty into markets. Lock people into prices now is a little bit unrealistic. So that's one of the added bonuses of the DPS, I suppose.
0: Great. Um, sure.
1: Just while we're on the subject of pricing as well, Anna, um, we've actually set We've done a lot of work and setting the value bands for the DPS as well. So to tackle the issues of those smaller opportunities again, maybe not being the most uh, efficient or possible for the larger organisation, we've c- we completely revamped the value the value banding for the DPS. So we have them set from under ten thousand pounds right the way up to 20 million pounds plus so suppliers who are genuinely interested in a particular value range can sign up so the smaller requirements are able to be fulfilled but they still allow those larger bundled maintenance packages at the same time um so ultimately it's it's a much more fit for purpose solution making it more attractive to not only buyers but hopefully to suppliers of all sizes too
0: yeah so i mean this sounds a bit of a daft question really because to me it seems you know but Why is it a good thing? What difference will this new system make to tradespeople and ultimately um, to the domestic repair, maintenance and home improvement industry?
1: It's, It's a fantastic question. So I think, first of all, for suppliers in this space, we've hopefully made that onboarding process to a public sector agreement much more straightforward and streamlined than it's ever been. And um, a massive and a huge thanks to you, Anna, and the NHIC. We've removed some unnecessary hurdles for suppliers when onboarding in spaces such as ISO requirements and the insurance levels we look for. I know you've reached out to a variety of your members to actually ask what is realistically needed in this yeah. area. So it provides that added protection for buyers and also suppliers, I suppose, but makes it a little bit more streamlined. Um so hopefully, it's easier than ever to gain access to to the further competition. I can't even speak today. Gain access to the further competition opportunities um, through the DPS, and it's pretty much represents a fantastic opportunity to access public sector opportunities for certainly for people that may not have actually had a lot of opportunity to do this in the
0: past. Yeah, just before we go on um, to to sort of how we how you do it, but why should why is it um good do you think for tradespeople who may have always done private sector work they've always worked um you know they sell their they promote their products um using social media they promote their services using social media or word of mouth and they generally do private sector work why should they bother even thinking about doing you know work with local authorities or housing associations
1: um, I mean, well, I suppose it's it's an untapped market for them as well if yeah. they've never worked with them before, obviously. Um, I think it represents a huge opportunity because the, the sheer scale of the local authority and yeah. the housing association market, it, it may have probably been daunting to them in the past, maybe seeing all, the, all these, you know, a little bit, as, as it's known, a bit of red tape in public sector procurement to get yeah. on board to these agreements. May have seen unrealistic or un- unachievable, and it, they might have just dismissed it completely. So we're trying to kind of completely revamp the, their thinking and say, actually, this is this is a huge opportunity for you in terms of getting your name out there amongst the public sector as well, not just in terms of work, but actually getting your name and spreading the, the fantastic word of your of your fantastic work as well. So yeah,
0: and usually yeah. one would hope that that you know public sector clients. generally pay better Uh, you know they will pay on time and you know they won't if you if you do if you do work in the private sector and you have lots of challenges around debt collection or um, you know sometimes clients changing things as they're going along and expecting it for the same price etc it's a more um, one would hope it's a more professional setup I'd imagine as well that you know if you can have 10 20 30 percent of your annual workload that you know is going to get paid on time you don't have any debt collection issues um you just submit your invoice and it gets paid i mean that's that's got to take a bit of a weight off your shoulder as well it doesn't mean that you've got to stop doing private sector work but it having that sort of blend of clients is is i would have thought a really good mix for for local businesses
1: yeah absolutely i think um yeah, I mean at, at, at agreement level and certainly from CCS, we always look at suppliers paying their supply chain on time, but from the other from the other way around, yeah, it, it's it's public it's public money. So it has to be spent efficiently. And we we have to hold ourselves accountable, or certainly public sector buyers have to hold themselves accountable for that spend because we don't want to be disadvantaging the you know the smaller companies that really require on those revenue streams. So yeah, I think in terms of secured income or something like that yeah i think it's definitely a a, a good good opportunity for those people that may have only worked in the private
0: sector now then can people sign up if they are um a single trade or do they have to be sort of full they have to offer full blend of services or can individual specialisms um clip into this
1: No, uh, absolutely. The the granular service uh, level of our specification means that trades can just sign up for their individual specialism. So that hopefully encourages your smaller companies to sign up. For example, uh, your local electrician or the plumbers, like I said before, who may have only gained access to subcontracting with a larger organization in the past. So it would allow the individual specialisms to come on, but it actually would help customers because they don't have to go and try and filter through a specification which is 400 pages long to find one little line that they can somehow slot their requirement into. They can log onto the DPS and say, right, I need an electrician. Filter two electricians and there you go. We've got them all there. Um, in terms of buying as well, we've also allowed the buyers to procure based on location. So coupled with the granular service level, it means buyers can tap into that local and regional expertise wherever they are in the UK. And through our engagement, we've identified that as being the key driving factor. It allows the agreement to support your small and local businesses, uh, but also allows us to contribute to the levelling up agenda. And as I said previously, we're not just saying this agreement is for SMEs. It's far from it. We completely understand the, the importance of your large and national companies. Uh, they're just as important to our buyers, but hopefully we've made it easier for those smaller companies and the local expertise to gain access to the opportunities through the DPS.
0: That's right. It isn't about one or the other, which no. old systems were because they were too complex and too onerous for, for the smaller companies to get. All you've done is opened the door to a huge new pool of awesomely talented, skilled tradespeople Who are able to now do access this work and deliver awesome work in in housing associations and and local authorities
1: yeah absolutely yeah um i think with not just with with all the things we previously mentioned but with with no pricing as well all of these different players in the market they can also take advantage um, of emerging technologies suppliers don't have to sign up for a particular way of doing things right now so This will be key, especially in the retrofit space, um, as what is standard practice now in two years time, it might be obsolete or inefficient. So new players in the market are also able to access fantastic opportunities um, and ultimately it drives value for the buyers as well.
0: And, And what are the benefits for the tenants?
1: For the tenant, I think all of this means that ultimately they're getting the best value service with more suppliers able to join and suppliers of all shapes and sizes. It can result in better competition, driving value. Um, and with buyers able to specify their own quality requirements, they can ensure that they're getting the suitable suppliers for the right job. And utilizing the local and regional expertise presents opportunities to streamline the repairs and maintenance service in general, which could see quicker response times for tenants when they need it most, which I think, um, given some of the uh, scare stories in the news at the moment, could be more crucial than ever. Mm. Um, and I suppose we're all concerned, and certainly tenants will be, about cowboy builders out there and those only interested in maybe making a quick profit rather than a sustained contribution to the industry. So in, a, in an attempt to try and combat this, we've listed in the specification specific requirements that operatives must adhere to when they're completing the worker properties uh, and how they deal with the tenants just to provide those added reassurances, which I think is a, a real positive step forward.
0: And I think as well that that's going to improve the um, environment for the private sector clients as well. Because if you've got local tradespeople that are clipping in, say, 20, 30 percent of their annual income and work they're doing for local authorities, housing associations for the social housing in that area, they have they do have to have their, their, their proper competency levels. They have to have done their, their training and, and, and be um well, they're called competent people, capital C, Um, you know, so they have to be, if they're a gas engineer, they have to be registered with gas safe or that type of thing with, you know, glazing, it's Fenzer, or there's, there's other, um, other uh, competent person schemes across all of them. So if they've got that level of professionalism and quality that they're doing for their um, government funded work in their local authority, that professionalism and quality is, is going to carry over into the private sector as well so it the whole the the tideline rises for ev- all people having home improvements done in that area
1: yeah uh, it's it's a win-win for everybody you know the tenants get a fantastic service the the buyers which uh, make me not they won't be the tenants but the buyers they get a streamlined process They get the right suppliers from a uh, from the right pool of people
0: mm-hmm. and for
1: the suppliers they can spread the good word across multiple industries of that as well. So I think it's a it's a win win for for everybody, really.
0: Yeah, definitely, it's brilliant, brilliant.
1: Um, so I mean, overall, as I said, it gets the suitable suppliers for the right job, and it ultimately helps buyers across the UK with any aspect of housing maintenance and repair.
0: I find it fascinating, Mark, that you've you've really created a win 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 solution that increases. Um, Productivity, and you've done this through your work at Crown Commercial and engaging with membership bodies like the NHIC, which represent those working um, in the sector. And the the dynamic purchasing system, so it, it makes it easier for tradespeople to access regular quality work. It's more accessible for local authorities and housing associations to access great talent locally, and it supports the government's levelling up agenda. Tenants benefit from Uh, more streamlined work being done and knowing that they're supporting local suppliers the private sector benefit because they've got more great people doing great work in their area Um, and the occupier as I say wins because they know that the work that they're getting done it gets done quickly efficiently and that they're supporting local talent so you're launching it this month it's been 18 months in the development what are the launch plans and what are you going to be doing over the next few months to support the rollout
1: uh, yes yeah, so supplier onboarding i think as i've mentioned it's open now and that remains open throughout the agreement's lifetime which runs up until 24th of january 2027 and we go live for buyers this month on the 24th of January. And we're already in discussions with various local authorities and housing associations, and we we aim to keep the buyer engagement at full throttle throughout the lifetime. And um, there's multiple discussions going on at the moment for works of all different aspects across the UK. So I mean, it's a really exciting time in terms of speaking to our customers who are now you know soon going to be able to actually get their first uh, orders or call off through the agreement. So. The suppliers listening, it is a fantastic time to, to, to sign up, but it doesn't have to just stop them. They can sign up throughout the entire lifetime.
0: Yeah. So in your language, the supplier is the tradesperson. So that's the RMI professional that's supplying their skills into the market. And that's open now. So people, you know, had the, 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 the URL. I know you're going to mention it as well, but we will put it in the show notes and we're pushing it out on our social media as well. Um, but people, you know, get on and, and get registering.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you just have to excuse some of uh, the the public procurement terminology. Yes, the supplier the, the local tradespeople, or the national tradespeople, the, yeah, the yeah. fantastic people that will be delivering these services. Yeah, yeah.
0: perfect, perfect, awesome. Okay, um, so sorry, carry on. Yeah, no.
1: So I was just going to say, the launch isn't just about buyers. As I've said, suppliers, those local and regional businesses, they're just as key to making this work. Yeah. Um, And Anna, thank you so much for your office support here. So we're gonna be feeding into the NHIC's newsletters and targeting Mm -hmm. your competent person scheme members to ensure that we can keep them all updated on the pipeline of opportunities through the DPS. So any uh, of your interested members, they have full visibility uh, and they can onboard to the DPS within a reasonable time to gain access to these fantastic opportunities. So when we're having these discussions with all of our potential buyers, once we actually have some kind of firmed up timelines from them, we're going to publish information about what they want, when they're going to go out to tender, where, where they want it, delivering, things like that. So you can actually, your members can have a look and see, well, am I interested in that? And if so, they can onboard and, and gain access to it.
0: Yeah. Now, I want you to tell me this website address because this is, you say, just simply. Now, why is it called RM6241?
1: <laughs> yeah, Got so it. in in, in <laughs> CCS we we love our RM numbers. They are the unique reference numbers for each of our uh frameworks and DPS agreements. So ours in this space is RM six two four one. It's called housing maintenance and repair, but we put RM six two four one at the beginning. And it also saves a bit of a mouthful if you're trying to say housing maintenance and repair every five minutes,
0: which absolutely I am. so literally you're saying people just need to Google So. say oh. Other search engines are available. Um, yep. So you just you just pop in RM6241 and they'll find you.
1: And they'll find us. But as you said, we'll also put the actual URL in your show notes so yeah. they can find them properly. But in terms of speed and access, or maybe you're in a van and you're trying to Google it on your phone or any other search provider, I should say. Yeah, yep. it's, it's easier to do that. Great stuff. Um, and they can
0: also email you. Again, we'll put this in the show notes, but just, just give it us now as well
1: yep so if you with any questions whatsoever uh, you can email rm6241 housing at crowncommercial.gov.uk and um, with literally anything you'd like to know or if you'd like to set up a meeting to have a chat about anything we're more than happy to to help
0: fantastic and you're setting up a housing category forum as well
1: Yes, this is um, quite an exciting thing for us. Uh, it's, it represents a new thing for CCS as well. But over the coming months, we're hoping to try and get buyers, suppliers and trade bodies uh, of all shapes and sizes, sizes around a table to discuss any issues, upcoming works, industry developments, just to deliver that best value and best practice to the tenders that come out through our agreements. Um, we're looking for people to get involved. The 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 agenda, the structure of these forums are still being worked up but if anybody if what i've just said there is anybody is interested in any of this um again email that rm6241housing at crowncommercial.gov.uk and register your interest and we'll be in touch and get you in those discussions over the next couple months
0: yeah how awesome would it be that if somebody you know hears about this they think i've never done that work it's always been something that i've thought no i can't do it you know they go on, they find it easy, they register, they start doing a bit of work and get in touch with you and say, this has been you know, brilliant because 30% of my income is now secured. I know it's gonna get paid. You know, I'm still doing private sector. I've got a really good blend. It's really strengthened my business. It's taken loads of stress out my life. You know, that's an, an amazing message for you, you know, and, a, and an accolade for, for great work. So if people, if that does happen to people, please do get in touch with you. So. How did you end up working at the CCS? How did, um, how did this all happen?
1: Um, well, I moved to CCS around five years ago. Uh, I was actually myself from the private sector. Uh, I was the head of a logistics team, actually. Um, I was working with local suppliers, customers, and haulage firms to, to move products around the country. And I really loved working with the suppliers and the customers uh, more, more so than the actual operational side. Um, and creating those relationships was key to me. And a role came up at CCS, working in, in a category team to do just that, work with customers and suppliers to manage a commercial agreement. Uh, and as you've seen from my, my previous uh, topics just discussed then, mm-hmm. it's re- I thrive on the relationship side of things mm-hmm. more than the process driven side of things. So that's why I decided to ultimately make the move to CCS. Uh, and I initially spent some time with our energy team helping public sector customers manage their electricity consumption via our mm-hmm. supply of electricity framework. Um, CCS actually had its own, well, it still has its own in-house energy trading team, which is the largest energy buyer outside of the big six. So it was, it was exciting to see how they helped our customers get the best deals. Yeah. Um, and as well as all this, I worked on a demand-side response framework that allowed buyers to sell energy back to the grid or get paid to reduce their consumption, um, which given the close ties to carbon at zero or the retrofit space, it was extremely insightful. Yeah. So from there, um, I moved into the role I'm in now. First focusing on helping the MOD and their commercial arm DIO or the Defense Infrastructure Organization put in place FM contracts before ultimately I moved into the housing RMI space and I've been helping to design, create, and launched this new DPS over the last uh, 18 months and two years.
0: Fantastic. And it always fascinates me how people end up in the RMI sector um, and, and end up in construction generally, because often you know people don't think of having a career in construction. They think it's just bricklaying or being a plumber or fitting radiators or windows and, and thinking of the trade side a bit. But there's so many varied and really fulfilling careers in the in, in the in the sector. Um, I think it's fascinating how people do find their way in and actually become really passionate about it and 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 really enjoy it and and what have you. So, what's next? What innovation or adventure is on the horizon?
1: Well, you talk about passion for the for the industry uh, and the RMI space, but also the next challenge or an adventure <laughs> for me is um, absolutely hitting the ground running with this DPS. Yeah. And I know it's a little strange to admit it, but I'm really excited about getting the, the right suppliers and helping buyers with their requirements. Yeah. Um, especially in the retrofit space, I think with everything going on with the cost of living crisis and inflation, tenants have never been in so much need of making their homes more energy efficient than they have now. And it's really exciting to see the developments in the space and how they are going to translate into actual buyer contracts and ultimately help the tenants save money. Um, and talking about uh, passion for the for the industry and everything like that, I'm currently renovating my own EPCD rated home, mm-hmm. so um, getting my full on DIY hat on. But after that completely and utterly fails, I'm fully appreciating the importance of local and regional expertise to dig me out of that hole. Absolutely. So um, yeah, but so I think amongst other things from my own experiences, I know the importance of getting the right people for the right job and fingers crossed that this DPS is gonna allow that to happen. So overall, I'm really looking forward to working with everyone over the coming months and years.
0: Yeah. And, and well, well done, you know, to you and your team at the CCS that have thought, you know, this is we had a system. It was an OK system at its time, but recognising that it could be improved and and especially computer systems and digital systems. They can be really hard to unpick and redo. And, and you, which was fantastic for us as the NHIC representing their small SME and micro person. You listened to organisations that are able to say to you, well, this is why the current system doesn't work. Um, And we're able to sort of make those changes and say, well, if this happened and then that happened, then actually that now has allowed, you know, it's an extra million tradespeople that can now access and deliver this work because you're accessing the micro SME market, which we know is, is, is in excess of a million people across the UK. So, it's, it's better for the buyers, as you call them, the local authorities and housing associations. It's better for the suppliers, the tradespeople, because they can access. It's better for the tenants because they're getting work done efficiently and helping save energy in their home and ultimately save money. And it's better for the private sector because you've got better people doing better work, more readily available. So And, and it stops this kind of two-tiered, system that we have it you know it's starting to break down that two-tiered system so more power to your arm mark it's absolutely fantastic <laughs> um and thank you very much for working hard on it and and rolling it out and making uh, these things reality
1: no and uh, just once again Anna, thank you again to yourself and, and your members for all the, the help and support so far and um over the coming months and years I really look forward to, to working with you all
0: great thank you and thank you listeners for listening to this podcast from the national home improvement council showing climate leadership and delivering change supported by rectocell Envirevent and corgi be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts spotify or podbean so you don't miss out on any future episodes